Welcome to the Fierce Mothers podcast, where we help black and brown women find guidance and inspiration every week. We are so excited to have you listen in. I'm your host, Gochi Onyewu. I just finished a recording with Rita Thomas and what an authentic, real and inspiring conversation it was. Rita Thomas is an award-winning communications expert that specializes in amplifying the voices and hearts of people. She learned from the best life educator herself, Oprah Winfrey, launching her radio and television producing career in Chicago at Harpo Productions. While at Harpo, Thomas managed cross-functional teams to create engaging content and cultivate celebrity talent development. Building and leading teams is Thomas's specialty, which has carried over into her leadership roles with Fortune 500 companies, including Ally Financial and Walgreens. Now, in this conversation, we talked about giving ourselves grace and being flexible as we juggle the multiple roles that we each fill each day. Rita also spoke about grief and ways to be kind to yourself when coping with the different forms of grief. I loved this discussion. It was warm and heartfelt and felt like a conversation in a cozy living room, dressed up, of course, (laughs) as you will understand from the conversation. Enjoy. So, hey, Rita, thank you so much for joining. It's so nice to chat to you today. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Of course, it's a pleasure. And I've already told the audience a little bit about you, um, but maybe you can kick it off in your own words. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where were you born? What was childhood like growing up? Who from your childhood positively impacted your life? Let's kick it off that way. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> well those are great questions. Um, so I would say I was born in Chicago. My mother is from Chicago. My dad was raised for the majority of his life in Kamasi, Ghana. So Ghanaian and African-American, which sometimes people are like, what's the difference? Like there are a lot of cultural differences, right? Um, and so had a wonderful childhood in Chicago. My mother and father eventually decided that they weren't supposed to be forever partners. And my mother married my stepfather, who was from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he was in the military. So we moved around quite a bit, which was a challenge. But also, honestly, I feel as if it really helped to set me up for success. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyone that is uh, familiar with army bases know that even in the surrounding areas within those communities is very diverse. Mm -hmm. Some of my friends were and still are from all over the world. We had to know how to quickly adapt because even if you were in the same city or state and you moved around, um, you would have to switch, of course, school districts and things like that. And when you first start out in the military, you aren't typically paid well. So every time my dad would get um, promoted or go up in rank, we would have more money and we would move. (laughs) So we moved around quite a bit. I believe I attended maybe five elementary schools. Wow. So 
Yes, quickly learn how to, the importance of being yourself no matter where you are and having the ability to quickly adjust mm-hmm. and to be comfortable in new situations and just new environments was something that I learned really, really early in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we eventually settled for the most part in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which for me was beautiful, but it was the first time I had lived in a community where everyone for the most part in our neighborhood looked like me because Mm. I had grown up near military bases. So it sounds strange, but I had culture shock. I was like, oh, okay, this is different. (laughs) This is very different. And attended a school where the majority of the students and the teacher also looked like me. So it was it's just different. It was different. It was a great experience, but yeah. just different. Um, so eventually I attended university in Wisconsin, started my career at Wisconsin Public Radio. I'm still a radio nerd and a podcast nerd. I'm such a fan of anything audio. I feel like it, being able to keep someone's attention through the use of audio only is just, it's an amazing skill skill to have, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't have all those different elements to keep people entertained and engaged. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to challenge, communicate with audio only to a mass audience, right? (laughs) Yes. So yes, you're like, yeah, I know, Uh I know, which is what we started. I was like, I'm honored to be here with you and your audience. (laughs) Yes, because you do a great great job of Mm -hmm. keeping people engaged and informed. Thank you. You're welcome. You're so welcome. So started in radio, and I'll tell you more about that later. Ended up transitioning to Harpo, working at with Oprah Winfrey and her team there as a producer. And that was, of course, a layered and dynamic experience. From there, I went to lead creative team and did a variety of creative related tasks. So I was a producer at one point, I did some writing at another point, and most recently started leading up creative teams mm-hmm. at, corp- at within corporate environments. So worked at Walgreens Corporate, Ally Financial, and a number of other organizations. And started realizing that there was a need for more diversity in the storytelling space and recently launched a dynamic creative agency. So that's a little bit about where I started from and where I am now. And of course, I would love to give you more details about how I ended up here. Oh, yes. I love to hear it. That's such an interesting journey um, that you've talked us through at a high level. So, of course, I'm super excited to dive in. First, I'd love to know how you ended up at Harpo. Was it just you saw an ad in the newspaper or online and you applied or was it through your network? How did you get to Harpo Studios? We'd love to hear about that. Yes. Oh, I'm excited to share the story with you. And you asked also, and I want to make sure I answer your question about who influenced me most. And I would definitely say my mother. She grew up in a housing project in Chicago. So didn't grow up with a lot, but had always had dreams and aspirations to do more and encouraged us to do the same. So we would take drives, these long drives along the lakefront in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And anyone who's familiar with Milwaukee knows that there are these grand homes along the lakefront. And she would ask us, well, which one is yours? Which house is yours? And so we would we would call out, oh, that one's mine. My sister and 
eye and, oh, that one has a roundabout. That's my house. Or that one is brick. That's mine. And she's like, yes, I love it. Absolutely. And so she encouraged us very early on to, yes, work hard because that was a requirement, <laughs> but also to dream big and told us that anything was possible. <laughs> right. I was uh, now, now I realize even more that that's something that some children don't grow up with, mm -hmm. right? The, being encouraged to dream big, to mm -hmm. know that life is limitless. You can mm -hmm. do anything. Mm -hmm. And she would always tell us, you can do anything through God mm -hmm. who strengthens you. And I just yeah. remember that playing and replaying in my mind. And mm -hmm. it still does. Anytime mm -hmm. I do something that I may be a little, a little nervous to do, right? Because we still get scared sometimes as dynamic professional women. We still get a little nervous. Yes. But doing it anyway mm. and mm. not allowing the discomfort or the fear to stop us, but to, to bring it along with us. That's amazing. Right? As we do. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. I love it. I love it. And you know, it's so interesting when I talk to, cause I know a couple of other women I've talked to who are super confident as well. And it was in those mm. early days of childhood, right. Being told that they could do anything. They could be anything. It's so instrumental. So I'm really glad you called that out. Your mom sounds so amazing. So amazing. I had started telling people probably in high school that I was going to work for Oprah. And you know, sometimes people would smile and they'll say, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and oh, how are you going to do that? Like I would get a lot of questions and I say, I don't know, but I'm going to work for her. I just know it. I'm claiming it. I love Miss Winfrey. And eventually I landed an internship at public radio, was hired there and it was really a dream come true. My internship really set me up for success. I learned a lot about the inner workings of a radio station, uh, understanding the importance of building relationships with with publicists and PR team members and using those relationships and nurturing them and having them be authentic relationships would really motivate people to move mountains for you and you would do the same for them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. learned a lot of lessons there. Now, if I don't tell you, when I graduated from college, I graduated with honors and I was so proud and I was like, I'm gonna go get this amazing job. I know it and I'm going to be paid very well. And I had an offer to work for a company doing sales mm -hmm. and the pay was amazing. I was like, yes, this is what I've worked for. And then I had a job offer at public radio where I had interned and it was $10 an hour and it was part-time. <laughs> I was like, what do you do? I would love to take this salaried position with benefits. I feel like that's what I should do on a logical level. But my heart was really pulling me in the direction of the public radio job. Mm -hmm. So I took it. And there was a job that became available maybe six months into me doing this part-time job at $10 an hour. And it was an interim producer position. And I was so excited to be given the role, knowing that it was temporary. I was like, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to call all of my publicists and PR contacts and let them know that I'm in this role and ask them to help me get these big guests. And I did that and I was successful at it. Did not get the job though. Did not get the role. The host decided to go with someone that she felt was more like-minded 
And I was like, okay, whatever that is. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. I'm like, I just booked Dr. Maya Angelou, Secretary of Secretary of State, Madeline Albright. I'm like, who's going to do this for you? Uh, but I was like, okay. I cried, of course. I talked to the station manager and he's like, we're going to find something for you. We're going to find something for you. I absolutely love you. I love the way you work. And to this day, I still greatly appreciate him. They found a role for me. Mm-hmm. They really actually made one up. It was a floating producer job. It wasn't glamorous though. So I was really filling in for producers when they would take vacations or if they had large scale projects that they were working on and they needed assistance. But because of that job, I had to sit in the front of the office. Mm -hmm. So people would walk in and because my desk was right there, they thought I was the, like the station secretary. So they would ask me for the key to the bathroom, if I could validate their parking. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, as a 20 something at the time, I was like, I am a producer Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they have me doing these random tasks. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the station manager that asked people just assumed because I was sitting in the front. It was a humbling experience, but because of that experience and because of the job, I did not land that I really wanted a guy came in one day and I was in the front of the office and he said, Hey, what's your name? What do you do here? And I told him, he's like, Oh, you're a producer, but you look like you're like 20 or 19. And I was like, I'm in my twenties. Mm. And he's like, well, what are you working on producer? Mm. And I told him and he was like, okay. And I was like, all right, nice to meet you. Cause he was a guest on someone's show. Mm-hmm. Came back maybe a month later had the same questions and I was like who is this guy like he's really fascinated with producing answered his questions again he was like I love the angles that you're coming at this from okay great it was like the third or fourth time he came in to be a guest and he was like oh you know what I just wanted to tell you I like the way you produce, but I also love that you're a producer sitting in the front of the office Mm. and there are no airs about you you validated my parking. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you're unlocking doors. <laughs> and so he was like, what do you, okay, what do you want to do? And I'm like, oh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm definitely going to work for Oprah one day. Mm. He's like, funny you say that. Wow. I'm helping her build out a radio station. What? Wow. Sir, what did you say? And yeah. he's like, I'm helping Oprah build out a radio station. If I don't tell my heart, the way my heart leapt, it was like, it was, I don't know. It was like leaping for joy, but also I was in disbelief. Yeah. And he was like, we're building out a team. We're still building out the station and getting all of the contracting and everything together because she had a, a radio station on Sirius XM. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we're still building everything out. I don't know when it's going to launch officially, but I think you may belong there. I said, you believe, I believe it too. That's what I told him. I believe it too. (laughs) Like, sir, you and I are in agreement. Gave me his email address. Mm -hmm. I emailed him every holiday. Mm -hmm. To this day, he still says, I am the nicest stalker he's ever met. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Happy Hanukkah. Wow. Uh, do you celebrate Kwanzaa? Do you know? And he was like, oh my goodness gracious, this young lady is determined. And I was, I was, I really was. And he to this day is still one of my mentors. And I love and appreciate him deeply. 
I love and appreciate them deeply because that was the, that was life-changing for me. It, you know, there, there's so many, yes, obviously this is life-changing and, you know, it's just such a destiny story, right? But I think mm-hmm. what's also important to call out was he actually said that he loved the way that you were so unassuming, you didn't have any heirs. And so he he was already sold before he had a position to be sold on, if that makes sense, right? So it was just like, he just loved the fact that you were just being yourself and who you are was this really nice person, really authentic, even though you were a producer, you weren't like, mm-hmm. oh no, I don't validate tickets. That's not my job. You were just your sweet, humble self. And it's such a, it's just such a sweet story because it's a validation of the fact that when we're doing the right thing and being the right kind of person, yeah. the right position for who we are shows up. Talk to us about your creative agency. Sounds so exciting. Would love to hear about that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so I I ended up leaving corporate America. I was working for a, a financial institution here in Charlotte, which is where I'm currently based, and loved the work I was doing, really enjoyed working with the teams but I felt like I wanted to do a tad bit more. And in addition to that, I really wanted to set the the tone for the culture within the company and within my team. And I noticed that creatively in a lot of creative agencies that we would partner with that were external agencies, a lot of the people that were in my age demo were leaving. And it was in part because there was a lack of balance. Working in a creative agency can be a lot of fun. Every day is different. You know, you're working with different clients. You have different tactics that you're developing. So one day it may be you're developing a television spot. Two days later, you may be developing a radio commercial. So it's fun and it's engaging, but it can also have deadlines that require you to work long hours. And so I was seeing that a lot of my friends and people that I respected in the industry were leaving at around 35, 30, somewhere in there. They're like, oof, this is a lot. And so they were starting to exit. And I was like, well, what happens to all of that talent that, you know, that is now exiting the market? So I was very aware of that. And as a a woman of color, I also was very aware of some of the situations that I had experienced as it relates to storytelling and us not being included or being included or spoken to in a way that wasn't authentic where I'm like, oh goodness, <laughs> we would, we don't all speak like that. Or I don't know anyone that speaks like that. Or um, I was in a, a creative review once and someone was like, oh, well, we were doing casting for a TV spot. And someone said, oh, well, they're not all the same shade of brown we were casting a family. And I was like, they don't all have to be the same shade of brown. Wow. Just things like that where you're like, really? Wow. But it's a lack of understanding, a lack of cultural knowledge, a lack of diversity exposure. Totally. 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 Because it's like, if you have a couple of friends that are black Mm -hmm. or brown, Mm -hmm. you would see that we have family groups and we're all different colors. We have different hair textures, different body types. A lot of it is from a lack of awareness. And I was like, who is telling these stories that our children are seeing? And I was like, I want to tell these stories. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing consulting work 
And a lot of the consulting work I was doing initially was helping dynamic men and women build their personal brands. Um, and I had a lot of contacts from Harpo and people that were like, oh, I need to rebrand or I want to do something different. How can you, can you help me? Can you help me build out a personal website? And I want to write a book and, 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 and. And so initially I was working with a lot of CEOs as, as well as some celebrity clients and really enjoying that work. But I knew that I also wanted to reach a larger audience mm -hmm. because of those reasons that I shared with mm -hmm. you earlier mm -hmm. and started to pitch myself for opportunities, took some smaller jobs. And eventually people started seeing the work that my team and I were doing. And it just led to more and more opportunities to, to be trusted, mm -hmm. to tell stories creatively, and to, of course, keep strategy top of mind. Yeah. And we're focused primarily on telling authentic stories that connect with the hearts and minds of people. Mm -hmm. That's what people want to see. They want to feel like you're speaking to them in an authentic way yes. and they would love to see themselves in that content as well. So yeah. that's yeah. what we do. And that's, that's why we do it. So you're a mom. So yes. You can already tell just by that question where I'm going with this. Um, how do you manage the delicate balance between your roles as a marketing executive a mom, a business owner, a wife or a partner? And what strategies have proven most effective for you? Can I say it changes all the time? Of course it does. Like <laughs> I, sometimes I hear people give advice on like parenting or sharing how they, how they do it all. And they're like, oh, I just get up early in the morning. But do you always, like, what about those mornings <laughs> or nights where your two-year-old wakes up in the middle of the night and they want to have a conversation? And you're like, I don't want to talk about trucks. I guarantee you that next morning I'm not getting up at 530. So I feel, I feel like this. one of the gifts that I try and I'm not perfect at it, but I try really hard to give myself grace mm. and to give myself the grace to be flexible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yes, we have some cadences lined up that we try to institute, but if we need to pivot, I give myself the grace to do so. Mm -hmm. That for me has taken, my son is three years. It took me at least a year mm -hmm. to kind of get comfortable with that. And, and now it's one of my best friends, graces, <laughs> because, because it um, allows me not to judge myself harshly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind myself because I don't have it down every day. And mm -hmm. some days are stressful or I feel like, oh, today I didn't spend as, as much time with my son. His name is Lincoln. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I really feel as if I didn't spend as much time with him today. Mm -hmm. So I give myself the grace to say, okay, you acknowledge that. What are you going to do differently tomorrow? Or is there an opportunity today to make a shift? Usually my husband does bath time. If that day I feel like I didn't have a lot of time with him, I may tap my husband and say, can I do bath time? Mm -hmm. And and you prep dinner, mm -hmm. right? So being being willing to be fluid and flexible has has been a true gift. Yeah. And I love, I love your perspective, actually, because you are right. When we ask these questions about, you know, how do you balance it all? You know, usually, not all the time, typically you'll hear things like planning. You'll hear things like being mm -hmm. organized. You'll hear things like structure, right? Yes, you do hear about grace, but I also love that you called out being flexible 
because no no two days are alike, no matter how organized or how much you plan, right? To your point, your son may decide he wants to have a conversation at 2 a.m. about trucks, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Spontaneous, right? So I love that you called out giving yourself grace as well, because I think as moms, regardless of what phase your kids are in, it, it can be hard. And you you always wonder if you're doing everything you should be doing or if you're doing it as well as you could be doing it. But I love that you're giving yourself grace because it's just as important to be kind to yourself as it is to be kind to others. So thank you so much for calling that out. It's so powerful. I have another question for you that's kind of a little bit of a pivot talking about change because in your introduction and just to this point, I can tell that you're used to change. Change is inevitable. Change is something that you in particular have experienced a lot of. So I'd love you to talk to us about a pivotal moment when you had to change course. How did you navigate that shift while still maintaining your family and your business commitments? That's that's a great one. I would say I'm trying to think of because because there have been so many changes and, and shifts. I would say, and as it relates to family, there has been a major one. Our our son was attending a daycare and I felt as if I, I really wanted him to stay at home with us, um, which we were talking about earlier, balance and giving yourself grace. I really wanted him to be home with us. I had the pleasure of having my mother home with me for the majority of my childhood. She also worked, but she would take breaks and she would spend quite a bit of time with us. So initially I was like, how am I going to do this? We had the the gift and the challenge of COVID and being quarantined because my son was born in June of 2020, which meant he got to not to, but also had to <laughs> stay at home with us. And I got really comfortable with that to be completely transparent, even though it was a challenge to not have help. But there came a point where I realized we needed to make a shift because it was it was overwhelming to have him at home with me full time while also building this business. And my husband was working from home as well. And it was just very busy. We ended up at some point having a nanny part-time. But even with that, there can be some challenges. People get sick. And so if she would be out and you still have meetings, right? So there was just a lot of pivots and flexibility that was required that made our day-to-day a little more challenging than than it needed to be, I felt. Mm -hmm. So we decided to put our son in daycare. And that for me was something where I had to make a real, a list of the the pros and cons. And it was still, there was still some concern around COVID and exposure. And it was just, it was a hard decision to make. So we decided to enroll him in daycare and it's been, it's been a huge help for us and also for him. I feel as if, and again, daycare, not daycare is a family decision. But it was the decision that we felt was best for us um, at that time and gave us all the balance that we needed. And if I don't tell you, he is thriving and he enjoys it and he calls it playing with his friends. (laughs) So so he is living his best life. And at this moment, given what we know at this time is the best decision for us. And again, that goes back to the the grace piece. It's like, this is the best decision for us at this time. And if we need to change, we can, we can. 
Yes, I love that. If you need to change, you can. That's so powerful. <laughs> so I love that. You, if you need to change, you can. There's no, there's nothing that says you're stuck in the decisions that you make, right? So that's awesome. Great response. Thanks. If we talk a little bit about the marketing landscape in your experience, because you are a seasoned marketing professional, you can tell okay. even me from the outside, I can see that the marketing landscape is constantly changing and evolving. How do you stay adaptable and innovative in your strategies? How has this mindset spilled over into your approach to managing your personal life? So it's still a little bit of the marketing and how do you use that flexibility and being adaptable? How do you use that in your personal life as well? That's that's Yeah, those are great questions. <laughs> and I would say one of the things that I actively do is seek out information. Mm -hmm. I know enough to know that I don't know everything. <laughs> so I tap my team often um, to ask them questions, to ask them if there are things in the market that they're seeing that inspire them, tactics that maybe I haven't been exposed to that our clients could benefit from. Also seeking out opportunities to attend conferences, just Anything that we can glean additional knowledge from, because to your point, things continuously are changing, including with the introduction and the use of AI. It's like, what, is, what does that look like? How does that change things? What exactly is it, <laughs> right? Yeah. How, can, how can we leverage it? Are clients leveraging it? And if so, how? How can we add value? Because it's not going away, mm -hmm. right? And so really being consumers, active consumers of knowledge and being aware of the fact that you don't, you don't know everything. I think that sometimes that's why some individuals and even creative agencies, you kind of feel like all of the creative looks the same. It's mm -hmm. starting to sound the same. Mm -hmm. Even the desire to understand that not all African-American families are the same shade of brown, <laughs> right? <laughs> Seeking the knowledge, yes. consuming content that yes. maybe you normally wouldn't consume. Yes. Uh, so they continuously are building your knowledge base. And the I would say the same with my family. Mm -hmm. in parenting or even being from me being a wife we've been married now for four years three of that were pretty much during a pandemic and so even learning even more and seeking out knowledge about how to be the best partner to my husband mm -hmm. and he also is seeking knowledge about how to be the best partner to me um, in a world that has changed since we got married so we got married right before the pandemic and I think like eight months later we were locked down together and I was pregnant <laughs> so being willing to have those conversations that aren't that may be uncomfortable sometimes I'm like let's keep it real um it's like asking oh you seemed irritated why what why are you upset and it's being able to ask those questions sometimes in the moment and sometimes depending on who your partner is you need to wait <laughs> because they don't do well in the moment right? Maybe you can ask the question and let it sit for a second and say, mm -hmm. you don't have to answer me right now. Mm -hmm. So really just always being willing to and actively seeking out information mm -hmm. is something that I found to be beneficial as it relates to a marketing professional and a leader of an agency, as well as being a wife and a mother. Yeah. Yeah. Seeking out information helps you stay innovative. So I love that. Thank you. 
Could you talk to us about your approach to incorporating the power of storytelling into your work? I'm very intrigued. You talked about telling stories. So talk to us about how you incorporate that power of storytelling into the work that you do. So I love storytelling. It's one of my favorite things. I've always been a huge fan of of any type of medium of media for the most part, like ads, static ads, being like magazine ads, looking in like the source magazine as a younger person and being like, oh my goodness, where are they? It looks like they're at the club. <laughs> or, <laughs> or or even being even being in like a church setting and looking around and, and saying, oh wow, I wonder what they did today. Like I've always been into stories and have been intrigued by by the way that we we live and that the way that we exist and honoring those stories. So when it comes to telling stories and getting our clients' messages across, we want to do so in a way that, of course, we're keeping strategy top of mind. So who are they communicating with? Getting to know a client, understanding their strategy, their their primary goal, and Mm -hmm. how they're going to measure it is something that I enjoy. And being able to then translate that into Mm -hmm. something that people can connect with when they see it Mm -hmm. and that they don't feel like it's transactional Mm because I think we've all seen communication that feels very transactional, but really to engage the viewer or the listener in a way that helps to build an authentic relationship. Like we see you, right? So making sure people feel seen, making sure they feel heard and knowing that, um, that the provider of the information or the product cares about them. And it's mm-hmm. not simply a transaction of money and services. Mm-hmm. You know, we had talked earlier about the fact that you need to be flexible and give yourself grace, which is so powerful, a major takeaway that I'm taking away, but also we know that time management is crucial, especially as a professional juggling multiple roles Do you have any really practical tips and tools that you've used to maximize your productivity, whether it be in your marketing role or in your daily life or your life as a business owner or even with friends, just basically your whole life? Do you have any specific tips and tools that you can provide to the audience around productivity? Yes, I do. I do. And that's a great question. So I primarily, I I love lists. And I hand write them out. For me, it's kind of like people, some people call it a brain dump where it's like, these are all of the things that I need to get done. And each item has a separate line. And I like to put a little box, even if I have to draw it next to it and I can check things Mm -hmm. off. There's just such a great sense of accomplishment. I've found for me that doing that midday and then doing it in the evening, right before I go to sleep is very helpful. I found at one point that I would wake up in the wee hours of the morning thinking about all of the things that I had to do and reminding myself, trying to remind myself, don't forget that when you wake up, you need to do these things and this has to happen today. Mm -hmm. So writing everything down right before I go to sleep has been very helpful because I know it's there. I know, I know where it's at and I can find it in the morning first thing. So Mm -hmm. The lists have been very helpful. And again, that midday list and then the list in the evening have been um, savers for me. That's so interesting. So you make the list in the evening. Do you update it at midday or do you add stuff to the, how does that work? Having it, is it two separate lists? Is it just one list that you look at, check things off and update at midday? How does that work? 
So it's, it's usually on one sheet of paper. I use mm-hmm. this um, just line paper, mm-hmm. uh, but I have this notebook and it's extra wide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the extra wide notebook, one side is the list from the evening that, that just a dump of all of the things that I know that I have to do. And then the other side is usually like a midday list. So things that may come up over the course of the morning and early afternoon, I add on that side. And then I have, a, you know, I can do a side by side and Mm -hmm. it also helps me to prioritize them. Now, some of my team members are like, oh, that's so old school because they're (laughs) using notes and in their cell phones and they're using, um, we use monday.com as well, Mm -hmm. which is a tool that helps with project management. So Mm -hmm. I use that for a lot of the tasks that involve my team, Mm -hmm. but the things that I own, exclusively, even if they're on monday.com, I add them usually to that midday list Mm -hmm. so that I have everything in one place. So that has been very helpful for me. That's, that's so interesting. I love that. That's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So talking about maximizing productivity, the, I wouldn't say the flip side, because we do need to be productive, but as productive as we need to be, we also need to take care of ourselves. We know I'm speaking to someone who knows very well that the fact that there are challenges associated with business ownership and all the personal responsibilities, and it can get tiring. It can be draining, especially with a little one. I can't, I can only imagine. <laughs> so how do you prioritize self-care? How do you maintain your resilience? How has this influenced the fact that you're prioritizing self-care, assuming that you are, how, what impact has that had on your ability to excel in all the other areas of your life. This is an area I'm still working on. <laughs> so I want to be completely transparent. <laughs> I do not have this down yet, down yet, but I am trying. Okay. Yes. I am trying diligently. So some of the things that I've instituted that I try to implement regularly are walks in the morning. I try to get out for a walk, even if it's just 10 minutes even if it's just around the block, just to have that time by myself. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast. Other times it may be inspirational music. And sometimes it's just quiet and still. I will say, and I wanted to mention this earlier, that unfortunately my mother, whom I love, passed away um, almost two months ago. So So talking about, thank you. Thank you so much. But talking about self-care while grieving and being a business owner and a mommy and a wife and a friend and an aunt in all of the roles wow. um, has become even more important. So those walks for me and having the time to myself, again, mm. even if it's only for 10 minutes, I've been trying really hard to keep that in place. Um, also something that I I did before the pandemic, but I realized for me, it was even more important during the pandemic is getting up and getting dressed. Even if I don't have meetings, I will get up. I will shower, which I know some of my friends like I shower at night, but for me, the morning showering in the morning is rejuvenating and refreshing for me. So I do that every morning and I put on clothes that I wouldn't mind being seen in out in the world. Yeah. And so that seems small, but it makes me feel differently. Um, and I learned that for myself. So that, that may seem small or like, really that makes a difference, but it really does for me. And so that's something that I make sure that I do, do every day, no matter how I may be feeling, even with the loss of my mom and being sad some days. Yeah. Okay. But I'm going to, and I'm going to get dressed. 
and I'm going to gift myself with that time to really take care of me. So those are two of the things that I do most consistently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll sprinkle in a massage. Um, I do listen to podcasts in the evening, which is something I really enjoy. My love for audio again, Mm -hmm. showing up. So looking for opportunities to do that. Another thing, because my friends are like, how do you and your husband go out on dates? We don't have a lot of our, um, a lot of family in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And so what we've been doing is we'll plan lunch dates. Mm-hmm. So every week on Friday, we go on a lunch date. So I make sure that time is blocked on my calendar and he does the same. And we just spend time together. So even if over the weekend, we don't have a babysitter to go out in the evening or go out for dinner, we make sure that we have those lunches together, yeah. which has been yeah. been a good yeah. gift. Wow. Thank you for sharing. There's definitely a lot going on. So it's so important for you to just take time for yourself. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing about the loss of your mom. Um, thank you for that. What advice would you give to anyone in the audience that's interested in a career in marketing or who would like to work with a creative agency such as yours? What would you say to them? I would say to them, be bold be bold, be honest, be transparent, and of course, authentic. Mm. Let people know what you want to do. I feel as if oftentimes people are like, oh, my portfolio isn't um, diverse enough, or I don't have enough experience. Mm. And there are all of these benchmarks that we place on ourselves that prevent us from getting to where it is we ultimately want to be. Do it. Tell Mm. people that you want to do it. You know, seek, seek um, mentors, reach out to people on LinkedIn. I mean, that's what it's there for. And as you start to tell people what it is that you want to do, and if they see that you have the work ethic, because that's important as well, and the consistency, (laughs) oftentimes people will want to help you. They'll want to help you. But if they don't know what your goals and your aspirations are, how how would they be able to to help you accomplish them? Mm. And I go back to my story about Oprah and telling the the guy's name is John St. Augustine that I wanted to work at Harpo. Mm. And he's like, oh, I'm working with her now, right? I didn't care that I was part-time sitting in the front as public radio, no connections, mm-hmm. right? First generation college student, mm-hmm. like no connections to then land there. People mm-hmm. didn't understand how I was going to be there, but it's something that I knew that I wanted and I knew I was good enough to be there. Mm-hmm. And so reminding yourself that you are worthy, you're yeah. worthy of it now. And so tell people what it is you want, what Mm. you want to accomplish and let them tell you how they may be able to help. What legacy do you aspire to leave for your family and even at large, the marketing industry based on your unique journey? What advice would you give to other marketing professionals that are striving to find balance and embrace change? When I think about my legacy, I really want people to remember me and to know me even now as someone who is trustworthy, mm-hmm. who is honest and authentic, who operates with a high or at a high moral compass or has a high moral compass. I really want people to ultimately, to be honest, see God in me, even if they don't identify it as such. Mm-hmm. So that's ultimately what I want my big picture legacy to be. And as it relates to the work that we're doing, I want people to know that I care about making sure they're seen Mm -hmm. and that they know that they're seen 
that they're cared for, that they're thought of, that they're considered and that they are worthy. And so I take that into all of the work that we're doing within within various campaigns or branding and even reminding my clients whom so, several of them are celebrities. And you're like, oh, oh, they're celebrities. They're super confident. Not always. <laughs> they're human too. And so there are areas in which they may be a little less confident and just reminding them of their greatness. So those are some of the things that I think of um, when it when I think about my legacy mm-hmm. and knowing that less than 1% of creative agencies are owned by people of color, mm-hmm. less than one. And I don't even think there's stats on creative agencies that are owned by black women mm-hmm. or women of color. Wow. So yes. you need to be out there, right? <laughs> you need to be out there yeah. telling the stories. Yes. Yes, yes. And you've seen like some of these, these, I'm going to call them unfortunate situations where you're like, who was in the room <laughs> when you designed that or when you decided to put that little beautiful black boy on a t-shirt that said coolest monkey in the jungle, like who was there? Yeah. Who yeah. was present? Yeah, yeah. And so even yeah. thinking through those instances and thinking that, you know, I don't want my son to mm-hmm. see himself that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have the ability to make it make a difference mm-hmm. so that he sees himself as a whole, wonderful, healthy, inspired, worthy black boy. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Is there anything that you'd like the audience to know that I haven't given you an opportunity to share? You know what? I know that we touched on it briefly, but about grief mm-hmm. and and grace, mm-hmm. we've touched on both of those, that I think we all, and I not even think, I know that we all experience grief and it's not necessarily at this stage or phase in life that people may have experience the loss of a parent or or even a close relative but there are people who've lived through divorce lived through and are living through and thriving through job job loss or layoffs or whatever it may be maybe at one point being very financially stable and now being financially insecure or having some instability in that area we all grieve and so one i want to say be kind you never know what someone is going through. And then secondly, if you are experiencing grief, please give yourself grace and flexibility. So to be completely transparent, there was a day this week that I had that little to-do list that I wrote overnight and I decided it had to wait. Mm-hmm. And I was going to get my son to daycare and I was fully dressed because remember, that's my thing. <laughs> But I I don't tell you, I came home fully dressed Mm -hmm. and laid out on the sofa for like an hour. I was like, I'm just going to be. Mm -hmm. I had to convince myself to do that because remember, I'm still working on it myself, but I had to convince myself to do it and to remind myself that at the end of the day, we all benefit Mm -hmm. from a rested, mentally well version of me. And so I gave my. Yes, we all benefit from a well-rested, mentally well version of ourselves, right? I'm so proud of you for doing that. That's (laughs) awesome. I love that. What a great way to end this. This has been amazing, Rita. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you 
you for listening to this episode. What was your main takeaway from this episode? What did you like? What, in your opinion, are some ways that we could improve? I want to hear from you. You can reach me at ugochi at fiercemothers.com. To learn more about Fierce Mothers, please visit our website at fiercemothers.com and join our mailing list for our weekly newsletter. The newsletter provides powerful tips and inspiration for life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Fierce Mothers. Follow me on LinkedIn at Ugochi Onyewu. We are building an engaged community of Fierce Mothers, so please tell your friends about the show. See you next week. Thank you.